Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? Behold my greatest creation, Mac. Hey, let us change Hello everybody and welcome to Busy Playing Something. My name is Sean and I will be your host for today. And now, as always, we are joined by the producer himself, Vincent Candelo. Vinny, you having a good time? I'm having a good time on my PS5 that I now have. So that's always good. Yeah, yes. you managed to get one. Managed to snag one. Um, yeah, that's it. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good. How you doing? Feeling good. You're welcome. I called in a favour with Shuhei. Me personally. <laughs> and, uh, and the Herald of Yoshida himself is also joining us. And Josh, you're not hosting today. We've already got people in the chat saying, what's going on? I know. I think um, I'm sick of my own voice as well. So I can only imagine how everyone else is. So I'll just, uh, you're, you're a, you know, a natural host anyway. So mixing it up. And yeah, I'm we'll actually sick. <laughs> Vinny's actually sick. Actually, there seems to be a sickness that's going around a little bit at the moment. I know a few people are a little bit worried. They don't want to take time off work. And also with COVID happening in other states, and it's like, oh, is it going to happen here? But uh, hopefully that's not the it's called case. COVID-19. There is a sickness going around. It's called COVID-19. Well, not, not right here in Victoria. Too soon. Yeah, too uh, soon. A bit, bit late, 12 months late, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, busy place, obviously we're a podcast here on Thursdays. Uh, have a look at our YouTube channel. So we have been updating our YouTube channel a lot recently, and we've been changing how we're getting our content out to you guys. So if you haven't hopped over to our YouTube, you can check that. It's youtube.com forward slash, pretty sure it's just busy playing something, so it's nice and simple. Uh, but anyway, I want to start off with a nice little icebreaker. So this week was the first week, full week of May. May the 4th be with you. Gentlemen, what did we do for Star Wars Day? Absolutely nothing. We watched Mortal Kombat. I oh, that. <laughs> that's how we celebrated Star Wars Day. And that's right. No, you're completely fine. Like, out of all the things we could have done, we could have watched any of the Star Wars films, played Star Wars games, and we decided to go along and uh, watch the new Mortal Kombat film. Actually, how do you guys find it? I actually really enjoyed it. I was, um, I was telling uh, my girlfriend about it. I go, even though I'm not Josh, I'm just going to speak here. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> Uh, something like I said, it was, uh, I said you would hate it because it had a lot of action, a lot of blood. Um, it was a lot of cheese, but a lot of fun is how I described it. I'm like, it rhymed really nice. I felt like tweeting it, but I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. But yeah, it was, it was good. I actually really enjoyed it. The whole, when you hear them say, you know, this, like the wording in the game, you know, like something wins or flawless victory or fatality. Like that was that just, that was the amount of cheese i wanted and yeah. i got it so i was happy my friend gave it a zero out of ten he hated it obviously must be like a diehard fan or something like that he Josh, was yeah how did how did you find it? i know that it was a little bit different to the story uh of the actual mortal Kombat universe how did you find it yeah it was really uh, not really good uh, it was good <laughs> i uh i enjoyed myself but there was a few things i'm like oh this this is a weird weird choice the whole idea like it's not actually the tournament that we're the story that we're used to, you know, getting told. So, and you can tell everyone's just got a boner for Scorpion. Like everyone, it's like we're going to make this guy the good guy and everything. And he's all, he's got his own movie. He's got his own animated movie now. So, 
yeah, overall, I think it was a good time. Better if I was drunk, I think. I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Well, I think Tung Lao's cool. Out of the three of us, I think I was the only one having a, a couple of quiet beverages. But anyway, uh, we... For a Tuesday, that, that, that is fair. Um, it, it is an Australian film. And we saw it at High Point, Hoyt's. And we, we sat in the chairs, which I'm not sure if anybody knows this, but Hoyt's have some cinemas where the chairs, like, vibrate and they move around a little bit while you're watching the movie. It's meant to, like, Be immersive. You know, immerse you and get you more involved. I feel like it was a waste of about $8. Uh, yeah. You boys. Yeah, it was a waste. The, oh, yeah, big waste. The, uh, the first part, when we when we first got it, you first see the first scene is that little jolt. Mm. And that was cool. And I'm like, oh, is it going to be subtle like this all the time? Because, you know, in things like that, less is more. But then <laughs> during the action scenes, you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> just so you're just flying around everywhere in these... Oh, it was, throwing up in the air. It was ridiculous. Um, I would not do it again. Yeah. But now I know that I don't want to do it because I've experienced it. You know, try anything mm. once. Try anything once. I'm in the same boat. It was like the Wii U. I'm like, I have to try this thing. I mean, everyone's <laughs> talking about it. I got to try it. And then after a few, after 10 minutes, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to put this one down and never do this again. Is so. it worth playing in 2021 though? Is it worth picking one up? Hmm. That's an article. Like it's like that's a video we should make. I think we can. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Uh, not, we are. We are going to move on. Although I will say that with no, like no spoilers, obviously. But my favorite part was a character and the character of Kano. Josh Lawson did a fantastic job of Kano. What do you like? What was your favorite parts? Trying to be non-spoilerific, Josh. I, I liked, and they show this in the trailer, and it's not it's not a spoiler at all, but Sub-Zero is kind of the main baddie in this movie, and they made him kind of like a kind of like a horror movie villain where it's, you know, like it, like you got the music playing in the background, you know he's there. Sub-Zero's got a similar thing, but with ice. So, you know, the area starts freezing over, you see the cold breath out of some of the people's face, and that's how you know he's there. I like how they made him like this monster villain. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really like the way that they managed to kind of like get his character and make him larger than life. Uh, what about you, Vinny? Um, I liked how I like Sonya Blade. I thought she was really, yeah, funny enough, trying her best. She was definitely Aussie. We all said that because there was times where her accent just broke through that little bit too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, the way she was keeping up with everyone um, was pretty, pretty good. I thought one she was I really interesting. Uh, I was talking about one thing I didn't like, and I get why the movie did it. The the whole explanation of how they get their powers. I felt like it was just Mortal Kombat doesn't really make sense, right? Some people just have powers for some reason, some people don't, but they yeah. went out of their way to like over explain how they get uh, their powers it was, individually. It was very like, convoluted. Mm. Do we need to go into that much detail? Like, all right, you shoot they, lasers out of his eyes. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't, we don't have to go into too much detail, I guess. But I, tying into that whole, you know, how they get their powers, I think that was really good for for Sonya Blade's character arc. Um, like that was really like satisfying at the end, where it's like, yeah, everything's kind of coming together. But uh, we're not going to give too many spoilers. I think we'll probably end it there. Yeah. If you haven't seen Mortal Kombat, I think all of us will probably give it a thumbs up at least. At least go one. And watch it. Like the Zangief yeah, sideways thumbs up. Yeah. From Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give at least a thumbs up. So, yeah, if you if you are interested, maybe go along and check it out in the cinemas. Uh, otherwise, feel free to wait. Uh, it is an Australian film. So, if anything, uh, if that's going to put you over the edge and get you into the cinema to 
pay some uh, money for a movie ticket. That's probably the reason why. But anyway, we're going to jump straight into what have we been playing this week. So, Josh, I know that you've been playing a bunch of Returnal, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Have you been playing anything else? No, it's been consuming my life, soul. It's, uh, we'll talk about honest. it later. Yeah, honest. yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. All right, Vinny, what have you been playing this week? Well, as you know, I'm not playing League. I've taken my my month off League, and I've been right. playing so many games. Oh my god, it feels good. It feels good. This is what my life was before like League consumed me. I've played, I've started and finished Super Mario Odyssey. Great game. Um, I managed to snag a PS5, so I played Astrobot. And 100% yeah. of that didn't get the platinum in terms of trophies, but got all like the nicks and acts. I can see why Josh loved it so much. It's literally like a, it's a museum of PlayStation history in a, in a game, featuring the tech demo of the controller. So, awesome. Um, started playing Ratchet and Clank, the 2016 one, again, yep. and Digimon TCG. So I got a, <laughs> I got some uh, stuff going and a little bit to the classics, but that's. That's all for me. What about you, Sean? What are you? Oh, oh. Yeah, I've, I've got a question for, for Vinny. How did, how did you find your first DualSense experience? Oh, you've heard me and Sean talk about it to death. How did you find, especially with the AstroBot, right? Yeah, it. I mean, AstroBot's definitely maximized what the DualSense can do. In like, I feel like uh, I got Devil May Cry coming. I feel like nothing else is going to have that haptic feedback yet. Returnal will have it. But other than like the adaptive triggers that they have in things call of duty that they have it on mm-hmm. it's yeah, yeah. but to actually hear it and feel the different surfaces that you're walking on an astrobot it's really really cool i was like um people were right in saying that you know the control is the most few the most next gen thing about this gen because it's one of the few things that's different i mean up, upgrading graphics and stuff is one thing but mm. having something physical in your hands it's pretty cool mm. all right um, and to answer your uh, earlier question, Vinny, what am I playing this week? Well, I have been playing a little bit of uh, new Pokemon Snap, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Also, we had Star Wars week, so I've been doing a bit of streaming, playing some Star Wars games. So uh, Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron 2 for the GameCube, which was the launch title, as well as Star Wars Squadrons, which I played with the uh, the POTUS joystick until my computer decided that it couldn't run it anymore and uh, the stream crashed. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I've been playing still a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, something slightly unrelated to playing the games, but something that's helping me is I actually got a swivel chair now. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sitting on a kitchen chair anymore. Oh, pro, uh, pro streamer now. Absolutely. My back is thanking me every single day. Mm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll um, we'll have a look in the chat. We'll see what's going on. So uh, firstly, thank you to everyone who's already in there uh, sending messages. So Publish yeah, firstly, Mortal Kombat. Uh, damn good Aussie representation. I think we all 100% agree. Like, we're seeing a lot of things move to Australia because uh, you know we don't have too much COVID compared to everywhere else. So uh, it's good to see that Mortal Kombat uh, was brought down. Uh, oh, Craig, I'll be debating. Uh, I'll be debating with my mates. I think Josh is wrong here. Sean, back me up here. Game Pass is profitable. Now, that's it's it's interesting. I'm I'll answer first, and then I'll let Josh retort because I know that Josh has something that he wants to say about this. I think that Game Pass can be profitable down the track long-term, but it's not profitable in the ways that we think. It's not about necessarily subscriptions. It's about the extra add-ons that you get with those people subscribed. 
So you might play a game that's on Game Pass, but it's also about the DLC, like the extra levels and that sort of stuff that you have to buy to add on to that experience. That's what I think is probably the closest thing, at least in the short term. Josh, what are your thoughts? Game Pass, profitable. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> Craig, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Bring it up. Look, the I, there is. I don't know why this conversation keeps coming up online. Like, I don't know why people care so much. But if it was profitable, they're a public trading business. Microsoft, we would know about it. Microsoft as a whole is profitable, but Game Pass itself isn't. But they make up for whatever they're losing with Xboxes a brand and the hardware and software sales. So ultimately, yes, they're in the green, but Game Pass itself is 110%. Netflix wasn't profitable for like 20 plus years. Disney Plus still isn't. Yeah, well, if you remember, Netflix originally used to post out DVDs. They've only been streaming for about 10, 10 years or so. So Actually, that's, good. that's a good point. Yeah, they haven't been, they weren't profitable for a long time. And even Disney Plus, and that's Disney, still not profitable. So we'll get there one day, um, but don't worry about it. If you're enjoying Game Pass, who cares if they're not profitable? Vinny, did you have uh, a two cents that you wanted to chuck in on that one? No, I completely, like, you just threw back to me how it was, um, there was another thing that kind of feel, was almost like Red, uh, Netflix that would used to post out things and it was always full on Reddit where, like, they'd send back dummy discs and that's how, like, the other place would get out of business because they were losing so much money. That's why streaming came along and actually saved a lot of businesses from doing that. They were essentially, they were essentially internet... Um, movie rental places mm. yeah blockbuster those... had an opportunity to buy netflix and they turned it down because they thought that this wasn't going to go anywhere wow. now yeah, that, that, that turned out well for them didn't it imagine if netflix was called blockbuster <laughs> no i i'm sorry i'm um i'm a video easy guy I like video video. Busters. did we have blockbuster here yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we got there was one in mini ponds uh, see, I'm a video yeah, easy. We always have video easy. There's, there's a whole bunch of different places. But anyway, we'll move, we'll move on to the next one. Um, what's going on, Josh? What's up? Well, I guess we already know what's up. Uh, do games stay on Game Pass forever? Um, no, they rotate out. So, like, games come in, they'll be there for a period of time, then they'll go. Most of the time, if they're like first party releases, they might stay and be like those, those legacy games that will always be there. But it's about a rotation policy similar to Netflix. Um, you guys basically agree with that? Mm. Yes. And what's cool yeah. as well, they also will discount the games that are leaving. So if, you, if you're, you know, wanting a game that's coming out of Game Pass, because they'll announce it early, say, hey, these are the games leaving this month. They actually have them discounted for Game Pass members. So if you wanted to purchase one of those games, you can, and you get it at a discounted rate. Yeah, I remember when, um, so Rise of the Tomb Raider was leaving Game Pass, and I, it's only when I found out that it was leaving did I decide to give it a go. And like I was enjoying myself and all that sort of stuff, and it was going. It's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Well, I may as well pay for it. It was like seven dollars. Yeah. So there's this cat. So I was like, look, I may as well just finish it, like pay for it, so that way I can finish it instead of having to go out and buy a physical copy, which I think at the time was about twenty bucks. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, it does make sense. Hashtag Josh was right. We are uh, Craig saying that with uh, Game Pass. It's all right. Um, but yeah, all right. I think that's basically everything. Like Beals, yeah. So. We're going to move on to Vinny. You can hit us up with this. The Shoe Report. Yes. <laughs> hey, let us change our name. It always goes well there with it. There it is. <laughs> you, you, you spent so much time on it. You want to just, just use it as much yeah, as possible. I really do. All but, right. So we're yes. going to start with the Shoe Report. We're going to, we've got a couple of little topics that we want to talk about, and they're all individual game related. And the first one we're going to do is we're going to talk about Returnal. 
So Returnal is the first major AAA blockbuster PlayStation 5 exclusive game to come out since Astro. Uh, Astro. No, Demon's Souls is a remake. I don't count that one. But yeah, okay, theoretically, yes. Um, So Returnal, Josh, you're currently playing at the moment. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, I think we've got the gameplay on the screen now, and this is actually my recording, so I apologise if I'm playing terribly here, but I think this is in the, some of the early hours. But uh, Returnal, so yeah, like Sean mentioned, it's a PS5 exclusive made by Housemark, um, who previously did games like Resogun and a couple others, um, Matterfall for PS4, and it's a third-person roguelike shooter um, with some Metroidvania elements as well. So... This isn't my usual cup of tea, right? I'm not a roguelike or roguelite type of guy. And uh, I enjoyed Hades, but it took a lot for me to get over the fact of when you die in one of these games, you pretty much start with nothing and from the ground up. Mm. And that's a hard pill to swallow, especially for someone that likes to progress every time they play the game, they get into the next level, the next boss. But this game is absolutely fantastic. I was hooked. And... It is a difficult game. Like there is times where I've, I've put it down. I'm like, I need to put this down for a day. And then okay. I find myself in bed thinking about it. Like, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I'll try this run, do that. And that's what's hooked me. And there's six biomes in the game. So the game's split up into two acts, um, the first three biomes and the next three biomes. And once you make it through the first three, that's your first real checkpoint, um, which is basically halfway through the game. So I'm on the fourth biome now. So I've just literally... 10 minutes before this podcast started, I just defeated the third boss. And this, I, I think I get why people like Souls type games, all these difficult type games, because I got up screaming when I defeated the boss. Like, I don't usually do that. If I'm playing Uncharted and I you know, get through the level, I'm, oh, yeah, it's cool, watch the cutscene, I'm happy. But the the instant gratification that you get from playing it is is awesome. And the game plays fantastic it's like a bullet hell like i said roguelike third person shooter but i cannot recommend this game more <laughs> now so josh like so Vinny and i are probably going to be asking you more questions than anything because you're the one who has played the game mm-hmm. do you think that this holds up as a triple a title like, as a roguelike game coming in it's basically the first major release since the ps5 was released like does it hold up yeah, I, I think so. Um, it, it, what's interesting is, like, you know, people that brought a PS5 day one may have just stumbled across Demon's Souls because they thought, oh, it's a PS5 console exclusive. Like, all right, I'll give this a go. And then just got their kick te- uh, teeth kicked in. This is similar in the sense that you, it'd probably be worthwhile knowing what you're getting yourself into. But what's here is is worth the money. Uh, I think the, the quickest I've seen people finish it is about 20 hours. Um, most people will probably be 30 to 40 hours based on the difficulty. I'm probably close to 10 hours at this point and I'm past halfway. So I'll probably fall within that, that 20 hours, but I definitely think it's worth the money. hundred percent. Okay. Uh, and uh, Vinny, did you have a, a quick question for Josh? Um, yeah, just more like in terms of the mechanics of the game, is it, do you start with completely nothing and then you build up into, is there like a, is there a, uh, it's got like a skill tree that you constantly resets every time you die or. Mm. So this is where I guess probably one of the criticisms I've heard online is unlike Hades, I feel like Hades does a really, really good job of when you die, you feel like you're forever upgrading your character and you're going in stronger each time you're unlocking weapons. Um, for instance, right. They've yeah. got the shield and all that. 
This game is different. Uh, basically, every time you die within the first act, you go right back to the start with the starting weapon, no upgrades. There is oh, wow. uh, something, uh, I forget the name of the material, but there is something that you do keep that you can use to upgrade or get certain benefits. Um, but there isn't like, you know, you go back and you get to keep X thing. There is certain upgrades that are forever. Like there is a sword that you get pretty early on in the game and then there's a grapple hook, for instance. Once okay, you reach yeah. those sections and you get the, the weapon, you get to keep that. And another probably key criticism that I'm hearing is about this kind of save feature because he, unlike Hades, some of the runs can be, you can be playing for two, three hours and die and have to go all the way back. Uh, so it's not like Hades can go in, you know, do a 15, 20 minute run and get pretty far. But the game does a lot of really cool things in the sense where every biome, like I said, three biomes in the first act has a boss at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. If you defeat that boss, you move to the second biome. And if you die in the second biome, you go all the way back to the start. You don't need to then defeat that boss again. And as you progress further and further in each biome, the, the runs become quicker. So now that you've, you know, I've, I was just before this recording in the third biome, if I would have died, I wouldn't have to go through all of biome one, all of biome two to get to three. I could skip from one to three. But then you run the gambit of I'm not as leveled up because I'm not existing in the world long enough to upgrade to then go into biome three. So it does a lot of those cool things, like there's shortcuts that will come up if you've unlocked, you know, for instance, if you die with the grapple, you know, you get the grappling gun at the end of the second biome. If I die in the third biome and go all the way back to the start, I can now use that grappling hook to get in the first to biome. places quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's got a really good loop and um, it takes a while to click. And I think the key to it is not to rush it. Spend okay. the time in the first biome, upgrade yourself then go for it. And that's what it took because there was days I'm like, I, I cannot play this game. I, I was stuck in the second boss for ages. And then I said, no, I've got to do it. And then I spent the time and invested. And the feeling that I got was, you know, Nirvana. I loved it. It sounds like um, it's not necessarily a roguelike game, but this is reminding me a lot of a game called Faster Than Light, uh, which has been on PC and iPads and all that sort of stuff. Basically a spaceship going to the end but you have like the, the same sort of thing. You have these runs, like you enter like a section of galaxy and you've got to like, you know, you can explore as much as you want before you go to the next section or you can just go straight to the end and keep going. But if you do that, the further you get, like the weaker you are. So it's better to spend like a little bit of time. You've got to have that trade-off. So mm -hmm. like, it's interesting to see that it's coming for like a third-person shooter game. Uh, now, do you, now this is, I think, the key question that a lot of people are going to have uh, coming in, like if they have a PS5, is this game worth full price? Is it worth 109 Australian dollars? Yeah, uh, I think so. I'm definitely getting my enjoyment out of it. Um, it would help if you're into roguelikes or like this style of game, of course, like any games like that. But the argument being because it's a roguelike, it shouldn't be worth full retail is a bit redundant. It's the same thing as like those people that buy fighting games, for instance. You can beat a fighting game. You buy Street Fighter, you can kind of do the, the story bit within an hour or two. It doesn't mean it's not worth it if you're into a fighting game, for instance. So if you're into kind of these bullet hell, if you're into roguelites, um, very difficult punishing games, uh, 100%. But this game isn't for every, everybody. Um, it's not a game I'd recommend to, you know, say my nephew or my brother was buying a PS5 and he was looking to buy a game. I wouldn't say get Returnal because he's too young and probably get <laughs> destroyed and be like, I'm not playing video games again. But if you're someone who's a seasoned gamer into third-person shooters, have if you've played any of Housemarque's games in the past, it's awesome. And the use of, you know, talking about Astrobot earlier with the controller, 
this game is even better in terms of what it does with the DualSense and oh, not wow. only that, 3D audio as well. So I was using my PS5 headphones and the combination between 3D audio plus the triggers um, and the DualSense, you know, haptics and all that is next gen. If, you know, every game had this in it, it's something I want you guys to come and experience because you're hearing it. The, the game has a really good kind of storytelling in its sound. Um, and because there's so much going on on the screen, you can see it on there. Like, you know, you've got bullets flying from all these different directions. You're trying to manage, you know, 10 or so enemies on a screen. The sound cues that come out of the controller tell you when you need to reload. It's got like the gears of war reload system where if you reload at a certain point, you, you know, can do it quicker. Yeah. Um, when you when you can use your special move every time you dodge, like it's just all these sound cues and the rumble that goes with it, plus the 3D audio, is next gen. So, yeah, I think it's worth it. <laughs> Vinny, did you have any other questions? Um, okay, so you're talking about restarting the every single time you go back to the first biome. Um, even if you exceed that checkpoint of the fourth one, do you still go back to the very first? No. Or- so once you defeat the third boss and you get to the second act of the game, every time you die, you return to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so okay. it's got a bit of progression to push you forward. Yeah. yeah it's like, there is cool, a bit of that. I've got to like smash and get to the third one, but obviously you still start from zero when you hit, when you started the fourth fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you basically start back at zero, but it's not so much about like getting to a biome, dying and going back. It's all about that slow progression, like yeah. know, unlocking something. And the weapon upgrades, uh, sorry, that's one thing that is kind of, that stays with the game is, is the is a, an efficiency system. So every gun, the more you use it, the more efficient you are at it. And that unlocks certain skills. When you've unlocked, say, a rocket launcher skill, that will then appear next time you play. Yeah. So you can find that earlier and then that kind of propels you forward. So it's some things do kind of naturally open up to you. But you are basically starting at zero, but there's opportunities to find things earlier. Okay. All right. So um, we might. Yeah. Unless Vinny, do you have anything else? Just, just one more question. Uh, yeah. So my, I was thinking about when playing it, like seeing the trailer and stuff, seeing the reveal, and every single time she died, she went to like she's like, oh, this isn't the place I want to. Does the map change every single time you die? Yes. So it is uh, perceived. What's the word? It's auto-generated where the world's con. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Um, so every time you do die, the layout does change. There is okay. like consistent things that, you know, you get to a point, like if you walk into a room, see a certain layout, you know, what's going on. Yeah. But yeah. The enemies change, uh, the level changes. So it, it keeps it going and there's a pretty good story hook. It doesn't really, it, very similar to Hades where there's a reason he keeps going back to the start. This game does that. And it's kind of, it's not a horror game at all. Like I'm not scared playing it, but it's got very like alien, as in the movie Alien. Yeah, Alien it, it, looks, it looks very alien. Yeah, and there's a really compelling story and the way they drip feed. So you only get story content when you die, basically, and it's at random. Or certain things will unlock during your run or, of course, if you beat a boss or there's a story point. So sometimes you'll you'll play, have a terrible run and die and be like, well, that was a waste of time. I've got nothing. But then you get a cutscene. Then your next round. And and that's the probably the... One criticism, I've got two main criticisms of the game, if I could. One is not being able to save between runs. And that's something that the developers, you know, highlighted as something they'll probably want to fix later on. Because like I said, some of the runs could be two, three hours. And, you know, I I always find time to play games, but there has been times where I'm like, well, just before I'm like, I need to get to this boss and I've got to go live at 7.30. And 
Housemark have said, you know, if you put your console into kind of sleep mode, it will stay there. But there's been instances where the PS5's updated, the game's updated, and they've lost their run and have to start again. So that's that's the main criticism that I've got. What's the second criticism? I I've, I've blanked what the second one was. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's too right. good. That's all right. Well, yeah. So uh, we got hundred years late uh, in the in the chat. So uh, that feeling of existential dread. I was going to say, yeah, tension as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe not horror, but yeah, there's there's like that foreboding sense of tension. Um, but anyway, Josh, let's just ask the question that you know ev- everybody really really wants to know: Is this game worth it? Should you go out and buy it? It's or- my game of the year at this point in time. And it's unlike anything I've ever played. So if you have a PS5, just go in. If you are going to buy it, know, you have to know it's a roguelite. It, it's, it's counterintuitive. Like you're not used to dying and having to go all the way back to the start. So you have to go in knowing that. And like Dark Souls and Demon Souls, dying isn't a bad thing. You haven't got lives. Just embrace the death, learn from it, and, and keep pushing through. All right. So yes or no, is this the first true next-gen game for this generation. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> yes I think, no. like, the game itself could be on PS4, but it would be missing a lot. Like, it's it runs smooth, 60 frames per second. I think the control of the, the audio is fantastic. Sure, this game could run on a PS4. Uh, most PS4 games probably could run on a... Uh, sorry, PS5 games could run on a PS4. But having all that combined is making it next-gen. So, yes, I think so. Alrighty. Well, well, we'll wrap up Returnal there. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more from Josh about it uh, down the track. Otherwise, you can follow him on uh, Twitter. So we've all got our Twitters. You can see below. So I'm at Holy Deprawn. Josh is uh, at Joshua LaRosa and Vinny's at Vinny Chens. Uh, have a look at his Twitter. Chances are he's going to put some updates in about what his thoughts are and you can always shoot him a question and I'm sure you guys, you guys are pretty active on Twitter. You'll uh, you'll answer them pretty quick, yeah? I live on Twitter. I don't, <laughs> that- but I'll be on there. <laughs> Um, actually, we've got a good question before we move to the next topic. Uh, so what does next gen even mean? Which now we're getting into existential dread territory. <laughs> I hate this conversation. But um, I guess like, uh, if I was to put my two cents in for next gen, it would be a game that feels somewhat different or improved than what has come before. So I don't necessarily see it as like, you know, new wave of consoles. Therefore, there will be next gen games. Like, you, like Last of Us was a next generation game. Like it, it was, you know, above and beyond everything that had come before. It was with what it was trying to do, and I consider that a next gen game, even though it came out near the end of the PlayStation 3's life cycle. So it's something that's different, innovative, and like I, I feel like next gen can kind of encompass all of that. What do you guys think, uh, Josh? You got an idea? For me, next gen isn't a game or a type of game or anything like that. It's when something takes full advantage of the new console. So utilizing the dual sense, utilizing 3D audio, utilizing the SSD for instant loading. That's what feels next gen because games are always going to look better. They're always going to run better. Um, but having it load instantly, having that feedback in your hand when you're playing the game on the controller and having that audio coming through via 3D audio, that's what's next gen for me. Vinny, what about you? Next gen. Um, so I would say it is utilizing the hardware that's taken seven years to build. So saying that next gen for this one is 
the haptic feedback is that but for like next gen for the wii was motion controls next gen for the wii u was the gamepad integrating with the tv like very unique and (laughs) uh very unique and defining for the systems um 1064 was that weird controller you know uh that analog stick so it's pretty it's yeah something that can define its generation but also utilizing the hardware that took like seven years to make and making it and that changes like what 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 we think is next gen now may not be the defining factor of what is next gen like with ps3 it was open world games we didn't know it at the time when we came out like it's hd that's what next gen is but it was when we actually got open world games and Grand Theft Auto, we were like, oh, here we go. This is what next gen is. So I think it changes depending on who you ask and when you ask. So it sounds well. like from, from what both of you guys are saying, it sounds like you would both agree with me in saying that Nintendo Land was next gen. Yes. Josh hates it, but he also, Josh also agrees. <laughs> he knows Nintendo. it. He doesn't want to say it, but he knows it. He's slowly um, shaking his head. And here we go. We'll take this last question before we move on to our next topic. Uh, what was the PlayStation 4's next-gen game? Now, remember, the PS3 had the six-axis motion. The PlayStation 4 had the touchpad. If anything, I'd almost argue Infamous Second Son, but I feel like that was only for the touchpad it was, and, like, holding the controller on the side for the spray can. But it, it didn't really, like, take full power of the actual console hardware itself. So what would you guys think? PS4 and Xbox One were, that was a weird generation. It was like just an improvement on 360 and PS3. Like games are already open world. Like all that was really happening there. I guess you can talk about VR and the control and connect and all that. But I think what next gen was for that generation was the, you know, the PlayStation store game part. Yeah, you know, like all, that's what next gen was. It was the, the services that went with it. And the games got better as well. Like Last of Us Part 2, Ghost of Tsushima, like I know they're swan songs for the PS4, but if I had to define what next gen was, it'd be, you know, that AAA, real AAA story driven third person action games. But again, depending on who you ask and when you ask, it's going to have a different answer. Sorry, I'll say in terms of the hardware, I think you're, you're right in saying it's, it's more the internet, like the internet really had its place. You know, it went from PS2 network adapter to the PS3, which was really not working too well at all and like this ps4 had really integrated things that if you were online on ps off off top of my head i'm thinking um persona 5 you took like quiz answers at school but then you could also see what like everyone else what everyone else in the world like what answers they chose yeah so like all the telltale stuff so yeah utilizing the internet as a community resource was pretty interesting like across all generation like across that generation so whether or not like that was generation defining in terms of hardware, I would say so. Um, but yeah, that was my, yeah. I would, I would almost argue at least early on a game such as Assassin's Creed Unity because of the amount of people that they were have on the screen at one time. Like instead of only having 20 people and having to phase like these NPCs out, you were able to have 50 to 70 and, you know, there was no kind of loss in like frame rate or anything like that, even though it was capped to 30, but the eyeballs yeah. no sorry uh, <laughs> no that, that's for the bugs and all that sort of stuff as a finished product yeah uh, but anyway uh solid steps says god of war yeah well that falls into josh's category of it um but uh yeah i think as we've all said it it kind of depends on how you take next gen uh josh at the moment is saying that returnal is true next gen so yeah you can take that with the 
a Josh size grain of salt, if you'd like. But anyway, it's a big salt, <laughs> big piece of salt, nice and salty. Anyway, we will move on to our next topic. And the next topic was, uh, and this is going to be a much shorter one, I can tell you now. Uh, it's actually my thoughts on new Pokemon Snap. So new Pokemon Snap came out last week. Uh, it was a big deal for some people or for everyone else. It was basically, oh, that game. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's, I've played it for a, about an hour or two, and it's very nostalgia-driven. It very much plays similar to the Nintendo 64 game, if anybody played the original. Uh, what, the thing I like about the Switch, and I've actually got the, the case right here, which you couldn't tell it's Pokemon Snap because it's all the way down the corner, but anyway... Um, <laughs> The one thing I like about it is you can just use the analog stick to move your camera around and all that, and then you can use, like, the gyroscopic nature of the switch to kind of, like, really line up that shot. So it it's kind of just, like, a nice nostalgia bliss trip. There's nothing groundbreaking here. It's just... I, I, I think it's just a really nice, polished Pokemon game. Humble is good time? Humble good time, yeah. Humble I guess good time. similar to the question you asked me before, is this worth... Full, I know Nintendo games don't ever go on sale, but is this worth buying at full retail day one? Well, look, it's the I don't I don't necessarily think day one. Um, I was actually not going to get it uh, day one, but I was trading in a couple of games that I already finished, and so I had a little bit left over, and I was like, all right, I may as well pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was actually looking at getting Returnal. Um, not even it, this wasn't day one. This is a couple of days after. But like I was, I w- was more inclined in getting Returnal than I was New Pokemon Snap because I felt like Returnal was something different. Whereas New Pokemon Snap is kind of it's comfort food. It's same old, same old, and it's not to take anything away from it because like the Pokemon look really good and you know they're you know jumping around, magic up, splashing, and you know they'll pose and all that sort of stuff. Like you get all that sort of little things. But um, yeah, it's it's just nice. Okay. Did you have any questions or can can you find legendaries? Is... Yeah, there are there are legendaries. So the main the main difference or draw card for this one is you've got your, your day and your night paths and all that, but the underlying story is like these illuminated Pokemon. Uh, I was gonna say Illuminati Pokemon, but that's not the case. But they're they're basically the Pokemon with like a shine on them. So not necessarily shinies, but they've just got like a, a blue white glow about them. And so you're trying to like research basically, you know, these type of Pokemon from this region. It's like, oh, how are we going to do that? Well, let's just take photos of everything. And that's basically the crux of the game to get you going down. Uh, I remember the first game, it was all about Mew and trying to get Mew. And then the last level is literally you're in the clouds taking photos of Mew. Like it's a, a model shoot. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure what the end game for this one is. But uh, I know it's not something that I'm probably going to beat in like a week or two it, mm-hmm. it's going to be something that like you'll pop in you do a run or two because they only take about three to four minutes you'd look at your photos be like oh yeah that was a good photo of that hoot hoot and like that's it move on and you you played in a couple of days later Josh? from what what i've heard right and I, i'm i haven't played it so i may be completely off here it, it works off like a star system right so like every photo you take you can get like a five star or three star photo and it kind of incentivizes you to do multiple runs and then like each run can be slightly different. So like those, the, the Luma ball thing, you can throw and interact with certain things in the level. Like, is it basically like you're on a roller coaster, like a very slow yeah. roller coaster? Oh, yeah. like you, you? you haven't played the first Pokemon Snap, have you? Sorry? You haven't played the first Pokemon Snap, have you? 
No, I couldn't think yeah, of anything. So basically, yeah, basically it's a rail shooter. And the, the idea of like the, the photos is you've got four different categories um, for a Pokemon. So for example, let's just take Bidoof, for example. He might just be standing there just chilling. He's all calm. And you take a photo of him, that'll be like a one-star category because he's just standing there. He's not really doing much. And then maybe like you've got a, you get early on a scan, which will kind of like tell you the names of Pokemon. It'll like little pop up for a second. For some of them, that's the say cheese element. So it might like shock them a little bit. And so maybe you do that scan and it will turn around and be like, oh, what's that? And if you take that photo, that might be the, the second star one, which is like, you know, shocked. And then the third one might be playing with another Pokemon and fourth one might be in attack mode or something like that. So you've got like these different like ways that you can capture these Pokemon. And then depending on obviously the, the quality of the photo that you take, you get ranked or whether, whether it's like bronze, silver, gold, or, you know, platinum or crystal or shiny star or whatever it is. So they yeah. have a rate for each one. So basically for each Pokemon, you've got four different poses that you can get it in or four different situations. And then you get ranked on those situations individually. Okay. All right. So there's a, there's a lot of replayability. Like I, I've gone through the, the first level twice uh, just during the day. And then the third time I did it was at night when that opened up. And during the day, like the first time I went through, there was like a couple of Talos just hanging out in um, in the bushes and they're just sitting there. And so I took a photo of that. It's like, oh yeah, nice and calm. The second time I went through, I had that little, uh, that little zap, uh, like that little ping. So I used that next to it and then they all flew away. And so I snapped that and that was like a star two category of, oh, they're, they're mm. you know, they're startled. So like there's replayability, like eventually you'll get like, you know, the little, um, like the Pokeball element things where you get food or bait, which you get in the original game and you'll be able to utilize that. You can capture them eating. Uh, maybe you'll rock up again and, oh, well, there's Buffalance out in the meadows the first time around. The second time they're on the track and then they've got to walk out. So even the Pokemon change different locations okay. the more time you do it. And having the day uh, night feature as well. Yeah, and day-night feature, which it treats as, a, as their own separate levels. And uh, the last thing that I will add is um, for when you're going through, like, the one level, so the first level you go through during the day, every time you go through that, you get experience based on the photos for that level. And the higher your research experience level is for that level, Pokemon will do something different. So if you grind, like, one level, like, to oblivion and get, you know, crystal stars on everything yeah. eventually, like you know special things will keep happening okay so it's it, yeah it definitely incentivizes replayability on the and doing multiple runs and getting multiple snaps and trying to complete your not your pokedex well your pokedex and your album yeah yeah photo album yeah yeah I, like this, this is a long burn game this is an absolutely yeah. a long burn game i i think you get bored after an hour it, you go in for 20 minutes do a run or two and then pop off it's... do something it's it's an hour, but like oh, sorry, it's a it's a long burn, but it's also like three four minutes. You can pop in. It's almost like what um, people contribute Animal Crossing to being now. It's like you pay, you put in the long haul, and now it's just like you go in every for like thirty minutes, do your daily deals, check um, Top Nook shop, check yeah. uh, get your uh, turnips, yeah, do, yeah, do, do, like do your that. seasonal update, and then get out. Like it's pretty. It's good like that, right. but yeah, something that only takes, you know, 20 minutes a day, but you're still con constantly playing it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, like, the question I'll ask you guys is, because you both have Switches, like, is this a game that you guys, like, judging from what you've seen and from what I'm saying about it, like, is this a game that you think you get soon or later or on sale? Or not I, at all? I probably won't get it. It just, 
I'm not a. I think this game will only appease people who are fans of the original or those super hardcore Pokemon people because there's going to be people that play the mainline RPGs who won't like this game either. So I yep. think if you if you enjoy the original, you'll like it. But for me, it's just what am I going to get out of it? And I feel like if you're saying like it's more of a tranquil experience, you're taking photos. Am I going to buy it? Probably not. Am I going to play it? If someone gave it to me, I'll probably play it for a little bit and be like, all right, I get the point and bounce. But not for me, no. Okay. Yeah. And Vinny? Uh, I would not play. I did not play the first one. I mean, I played the first one on emulator. So, but I didn't really feel, it was just kind of like, it was after all the hype. I just kind of played it. It was something to do. I didn't really get much joy out of it. I saw everyone talking about, you know, you chase your magic up into the waterfall and it comes out as a Gyarados. And I, like when I saw it happen, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. But okay. yeah, like, I wouldn't, I, yeah, go on. it just wasn't, I understand, I understand why people enjoy it. The humble good time that it is. It's just not a yeah. Vinny game. Yeah. Yeah. I And I think like for me playing it, I, I knew this, this would not be a game that either of you would play. Like I, I knew that straight up um like maybe closest would be Vinny. like and i was actually thinking animal crossing because like yeah you, it's it's relaxing and it's all that but this isn't the game that you go out to beat it, yeah. it's a game that you you use to enjoy and for people who like spending a lot of time in these sorts of environments and these games and the, and the world of pokemon and all that sort of stuff like this is perfect for them this is going to get them through until you know um diamond Legends. and Pearl. yeah that mm. that's that's all that's all this this is this is a filler game for 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 them it's not for everybody i get that but look i'm enjoying it yeah and so I'd say like if, if you like pokemon and you know you were looking for a humble good time on the switch like absolutely but i think the true humble good time on the switch is animal crossing i think we all agree on that one um 32 million units sold now as of today yeah it's what double spider-man yeah yeah it is it's it's yeah. insane nintendo just can sell literally anything it's incredible they can do do whatever they want um so we'll have a quick look at the um at the chat before we move on to the next topic um and it's basically you guys are missing out it's cute pokemon picks what more could you want i'm i'm hanging for uh shining pearl yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pearl as well uh and also we've got scotman 91 josh only plays good games uh and montana ps3 legacy of uh in my trophy hall days i I think also because of the nature of these two games coming out in very like the uh new pokemon snap and returnal coming out at a similar time like new pokemon snap isn't a josh thing Mm. but returnal is uh like both of them are my thing so it and it's different and that's why we've got our different opinions on all this sort of stuff and that's why we like it all yes (laughs) and yeah absolutely i'm always gonna flex on spidey (laughs) i love the game don't get me wrong i love the game but it's just it's amazing to see what animal crossing has done for nintendo and this is going to be the console for generation whatever uh yeah i would finally be able to play uh, miles morales after uh soon Mm. i'll probably play it i've I've never played it never played the original either never played spider-man It's I mean, funny, I, someone um, was, I wasn't debating, but I had someone say to me like, oh, it's, it's on PS4, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nobody said that when Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out and it was on Wii U. It's a Switch game and Miles Morales is a PS5 game. It's like Twilight Princess came out on the GameCube and the Wii. Yeah. It's a GameCube game. The game yeah, everyone talked about the GameCube <laughs> game. Nobody cared about the Wii game. The Wii game yeah. you could buy for like $30, like humble trash time. And the GameCube game is like hard to find. Mm, um, I got one. Yeah, I, I do actually. You'll, Vinny, you will, as a 
you know, knowing you and knowing how much of a Spider-Man fan you are, those games are incredible. Miles Morales is, I, I think, uh, an improvement over the original. But yeah, you'll you'll enjoy both of them. Um, just a quick topic on Spidey. Uh, you know yeah. the first, the Tobey Maguire movie, the first one, yeah. came out nineteen years ago, as of last week. So two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah, I can I can see that. That feels like, like an old movie. It is. <laughs> it came out. Yep, yep. It yep. is. Like watching it again, I wish we could actually, you know, have like a movie night on stream and just like watch that movie because it is, it is uh, interesting. It's a time. I yeah. liked it that much. Sony's like, let's use their text and font for the PS3. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on. We'll move on to the next topic. And uh, so this is our last topic in the shoe report before we get to our Nintendo predictions for E3 coming up this year. We did Xbox last week, doing PlayStation next week. Nintendo is today. But before we get that, we are going to talk about a PlayStation 5 game that's coming soon. It's not out yet. It's Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Now, this game is coming on June 11th. So it's coming in just over a month's time uh, from today's date. So it's the newest AAA game by Insomniac for PlayStation 5, Insomniac did the wonderful Spider-Man that we were just talking about. Uh, Now, we also did a live reaction to uh, about 17 minutes or so of gameplay that was released last week. So I stayed up all night, and these two lovely boys woke up 10 minutes to 7, and we we got there, and we watched the uh, the footage, and we gave our thoughts on it, and that's on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, you can have a look, and that's, that's a full live, like, at the time when it came out. Uh, reaction to the game itself but anyway gents i've got a couple of questions that we didn't really cover necessarily in that video Uh, so if you haven't seen it check it out Uh, the first question that i've got is the thoughts on the introduction as of rivet as a character so rivet is the we're going we're going to say for argument's sake female lombax yeah of game series now lombaxes have had a checkered history in the ratchet and clank franchise have they not josh so what does Rivet mean in all of this? Oh, it's a different dimension. So anything can change here. They completely changed the Lombaxes were nothing. And then all of a sudden there was like this secret race that, you know, defended the galaxy and all that. Uh, this is one where I'm like, like I, I trust Insomniac. Like I'm not annoyed at all that Ratchet isn't the main hero and all that stuff. But this is something I would have loved if nobody knew about it and you played it for the first time. And I know I could have not watched the trailers, but it's hard to avoid it at this point. There's GIFs everywhere on the internet. Like, the game looks incredible, but just let's not show that. Let's just show Ratchet and then have it as a complete surprise when something happens in the game and you're playing it as a different Lombax. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see that the shock factor probably would have hit a little bit better, you know, Metal Gear Solid-esque, as, uh, yes. as you might think. Uh, yes. Finn, what about yourself? Um, so Rivet as a character, like... Is is that is that like a selling point for you? I know I that's mean, a really tough question to say, but like I mean, it's Ratchet and Clank. I'm always going to have that strong connection with Ratchet. I'm actually playing Ratchet and Clank again right now yeah. to try and get build myself up into the world building of this one because we know that the PS4 version was a retelling of the original ones on the PS2, so it was a kind of like in a way the remake, soft reboot, say. yeah, thing. soft reboot had a movie kind of thing. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> But I really like the way Rivet looks. I like her design. I, th- I mean, it's a female long back. She looks cool. Um, 
but yeah, I, by Jennifer Hale, which is a yeah. pretty big thing. She's a pretty significant voice actor in the industry. I was going to say, she sounds really familiar. Mm. Femship. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited to see what unique mechanics she has. Um, I'm, I just, the only thing I don't want is that, yeah, cool. Like what Josh said is that if, if it was spoiler free and you just pop rivet in and you'd be like, wow, you'd be very surprised. But I would hate that if she, you were just like, oh, wow, it's Rivet. And then she plays exactly like Clank. Oh, sorry, Ratchet. Um, she played like Clank. It'd be horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would want to have a, kind of a new mechanic or so with her thing. Like, does she, instead of throwing her, because she throws, has a Rivet, would she throw yeah. a, would she throw more like a boomerang? Would it throw like, like go around instead of throwing like straight, front and back would it be interesting like the mechanics of that um yeah, you know would she, would she jump a little bit higher would she would is there a crash mechanic that she can go through now so just things like that would be interesting if she's a little more limber if she's more agile or if she's stronger yeah, yeah. josh you had something. Her, her main weapon is a hammer right like a like a hammer yeah why yeah. would it be cool if they took some inspiration from like god of war and you know how Ratchet throws the ratchet like a boomerang and it flies back? Yeah. However, where it's like a hammer, it's like a heavy throw and you got to retrieve it or it flies back to you like the the axe from uh, from God of War. But I agree with Vinny. Like, it, it can't just be a female Ratchet for the sake of it. Um, I don't think... Insomniac are talented enough where they, they wouldn't just do that. So she must definitely have, like, a unique play style. Um, she obviously doesn't have that Ratchet, so she's not going to be doing all, all the stuff that Ratchet usually does. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the key to it is they need to play different enough where the experiences are unique to be on both sides. Mm. Yeah. I, I think like my, my initial thoughts is this is representation that we needed 1500 years ago. Uh, like in terms of games anyway, like we, we, we've got a lot of male characters, like main characters. Like I, I think it's good that games nowadays, especially over the last five, 10 years are starting to transition over. So I think on the surface level, I think that's a good idea, but I'm really intrigued to see how, like I know they're talking about like different um, uh, like dimensions and all that sort of stuff with the Lombaxes. I'm interested to see how that plays story wise because yeah, they really made it a big deal early on in the Ratchet and Clank series where Ratchet was the last Lombax, and then like if there was one other Lombax, like that was a huge deal. And now all of a sudden, it seems like that isn't the case. So I'm interested to kind of see that story part of it and see like what the development is there. Um, that's that's my key takeaway from it all but um like let's let's talk about okay so Vinny, you've just got a ps5 josh yes. you've got one i i have one so ps5 is uh, uh the next gen console that we all have are we getting this game like if you were getting a ps5 today or like on launch day is this going to be the game at the top of your list out of all ps5 games that are currently available well, or do you think there's one other one that could be you know in front I am. This is the this is the reason I got a PS Five was to get this game. I mean, I'm playing the old one as a lead up to it because I'm so hyped for it. I mean, for me, it wasn't Returnal, it wasn't Miles Morales, it wasn't Demon Souls. It's Sackboy. It wasn't Sackboy. Anita. No, no, no. Bugsnax. Not, not Bugsnacks. It's it is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. The game looks so fun it looks like it's utilizing its next gen technology with ssds and you know shifting through worlds um we'll, we'll spoke about it in our uh our reaction 
the game looks so clean. Like it mm. graphically, it looks amazing. It looks like a Pixar movie, as Josh said. I mean, click the link of that Twitch chat. It'll yeah. be right there. You can watch the yeah, reaction right to, now. Um, Pixar animators tweeting about this game, how good it looks. So it's funny that, you know, we've always said that every Ratchet and Clank game looks like a Pixar movie, but they were actually impressed with it all. So I thought that yeah, was fun. Pixar's actually moved their animation style now. That, like That's evolved over the last couple of years. Like they've still got their original style, which has gone down like Toy Story 4 and that sort of stuff. But they're like, there's a new Pixar film that's coming out and it's completely oh, different. Yeah. So like that, like, but they're, they're really talented team there. So mm. if they're able to to look at this game and say like this is this is really cool like that obviously speaks to something. Now Josh like we've talked about like some of the PlayStation Five exclusives that have come out at least over the last couple of months with Ratchet and Clank on the horizon. Like, do you see this as if you're getting a PlayStation Five like Ratchet and Clank <clears throat> game that you have to get, or now that you've played Returnal for a bit, would you say that's the game to get? Would it be Spider Man? What do you think? I think mainstream Ratchet makes sense. I think at the end of the like, if Horizon comes out this year, that will probably be the game where people say this is the reason to buy it. But it's all personal taste. And Ratchet and Clank has the benefit now of, you know, having fans that are our age um, and appealing to younger people. Like when when you were playing it on PS2, it was really appealing to the younger demographic. Yeah. Um, and now that we've grown up, obviously we have that lineage with the with the franchise, so we know who Ratchet and Clank are. So you you know you're, you're targeting that plus the younger generation that will be probably playing this as their first. Not that there's that many PS fives in the wild, but if you're lucky enough to have a PS five, like if I had a kid, um, yeah, play Returnal. Uh, no, don't play Returnal. Play Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> um, so I definitely think yeah, this is one reason to to buy it. The game looks incredible. Like Insomniac are wizards, and I've said this hundreds of times. Like they Sony got them at a steal at two hundred and thirty million. Like. They have supported the PS5. They have been the PS5 from in, from Spider-Man to now Ratchet. They've really just helped propel the PS5 um, even further. So, yeah, if, if you're looking for a reason to buy a PS5 and, you know, you happen to find it after June 10th, that's the game you'd buy. I think that... I think Demon's Souls was a good, like... Unless you're a fan of that, that style of game, it was a good graphic showcase because it was. Um, and so was Miles Morales. So I think this is just, you know, we talk about humble good times and coming home and playing those games where you feel comfortable and Ratchet is that, is the humble good time for the PS5. Now, I think that we've spoken a little bit about this last episode, so episode 50, about how Toys for Bob was basically the last Activision studio that uh, moved over to work uh, on Call of Duty. So they're working on season three of Warzone. Now, the key question that I've got, is Ratchet and Clank's coming out? That's fine, but we don't have any major, like recognizable, uh, you know, 3D platformers coming out. Like I don't think we're going to see another ukulele at least for a, a time, yeah. and that one doesn't really sell that well. So now there's no Spyro, there's no Crash, Ratchet and Clank's here, but for how much longer? Like, is there still an audience for 3D platformers, or do we think that maybe? you know, games have basically shifted and we kind of see it in like these nostalgic lens, which I think was like a key point of why, you know, we grew up with Ratchet and Clank. It's no longer a kid's game. Is that the case? Hmm. So Vinny, like, what do you think? I think there is a audience for uh, 3D flat platformers, uh, but it's on a Nintendo console. That's pretty much where I feel like it's heading now. I don't think you'll find something that's as polished as, I mean, we say... Yeah, 
like Spyro, Crash, and Ratchet and Clank were phenomenal for what they are. Like the Ring Nine trilogy and Crash Four, amazing. Um, yeah, so Spyro was awesome. Ratchet and Clank can't get any better. I love him. And then I played Odyssey. I'm like, okay, Odyssey is heads and shoulders above freaking like the any other Mario game I played. Yeah, by far, it was just perfect. I loved it. Love the reception, yeah. and then it hit that nostalgia at the end where you go back to the Mushroom Kingdom. Oh, so good! But I'm really realizing as I'm taking my break from League and I'm going back and playing these games. I love 3D platformers. I think they are my like. I love them more than JRPGs now because I feel like there's too much time and effort to go into JRPGs. That 3D platformers just hit that little bit of like that role playing aspect with the collectors and kind of you want that bit to feel complete. And playing Astrobot was the same. Like, mm. I love 3D platformers. I really wish there were... I don't want it to be yeah. oversaturated like they were back in the day when you're playing, like, Croc, Croc 2 and, like, all that. Croc's crazy, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> oh, don't say that. And, but going to this is... I I don't want them to be an oversaturation, but I just still want them to exist. As yeah. polished as they are with Ratchet & Clank and the Spyro and Crash trilogy and and Mario. Like if as long yeah. as they as long as they're good games, people will still play them. That's all I gotta say. And they, I feel like there is an audience for them. Okay, mm-hmm. Josh. Like, we're obviously Ratchet and Clank coming, but we were just mentioning Spire, Crash. Like, these are all PlayStation IPs. Do you think that like three D platformers? Do you agree with Vinny? Do you think that from possibly future going forward, primarily they belong on or well, not belong, but they're going to be on Nintendo consoles? Yeah, you, you'd, you'd probably find that. Um, it's tough. Like Crash 4 and what happened with Toys for Bob with Spyro and all that. It, it, it's a, like obviously the YouTube video, it's in the link now and you can check out our YouTube channel. But the collection of Crash sold 10 million units, right? So the game sold well. It's just unfortunately those IP are sitting with Activision and Activision have a bigger you know, fish in the pond called Call of Duty. So... I think there is a place for every style of game and we'll see franchises come and go. We'll see genres come and go. You know, if a game like Returnal can exist, a 3D platformer can exist on PlayStation. But I think the problem is a lot of our nostalgic franchises, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank, those are, well, those ones in particular, PlayStation franchises, right? And a lot of those games are made by teams that still exist within PlayStation, but they've grown past that. Naughty Dog won't do another Jack and Daxter, and I don't think they should. So where I think Ratchet has done a good job, I think Ratchet's evolved so much. And the new one, um, you know, during the state of play where they showed it, like it, it, I was getting Uncharted vibes from that game. Like the way things of the world's falling apart, the, the you know, the kinetic action, the speed at, at, that everything was going, That that's what propelled Ratchet and Clank. That's what's kept it successful. Plus it looks super pretty. It's a great showcase for the console. Um, and the characters are fun and the story is great, right? So I think what we'll see happen from a, um, I guess, a business standpoint is you'll see those smaller teams, those independent teams, those double A games bring that back. And that's what Ukulele was, right? Like Ukulele was an indie startup um, with a lot of the team from Rare. Yeah. So you'll see that. Like there was a period where we, like as a 2D platformer fan, we weren't getting... 2D platformers and then Shovel Knight hit and then that was it after Shovel Knight we were getting you know Cyber Shadow the, the 
the messenger. Like there's all these yeah. 2D platformers that have come back. So it's only going to take, I think Ratchet's very separated because it's a Sony IP made by a Sony team. It's got the budget like no other AAA um, platformer will ever get. So it's kind of in its league of its own. But I think they will exist, but they're not going to come out of Activision EA. They're going to come out of AA teams or the THQ Nordic guys or, you know, uh, Nintendo. Game, uh, or Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think like Astrobot, for instance, was a success. Obviously, it was with every PS5, but... You know, Sony have, you know, shrunk um, Japan, Japanese PlayStation Japan Studios into Team Asobi, right? So theoretically, that's what we're going to get is more Astro Bot games. So I think yeah. there is a time and place for it, but they're not going to be... That was the it thing, especially PS1 and PS2. Like, everything was a 3D platform. Everything went 3D, Croc, etc. Um, But we're just not there anymore. But there is a time and place, and there is a place for 3D platforms for sure. All right, well... Um, my two cents is, uh, yeah, as much as they're primarily on Nintendo consoles at the moment, that's only because, like, I think a lot of the, the audience is there. PlayStation has evolved, like, as as Josh said, like, a lot of the, the developers have moved on to, you know, Ghost of Tsushima and, like, all, all these other, like, big AAA title games and all that sort of stuff, not necessarily Sucker Punch, but, like, they're, they're going in a different direction. So these 3D platformers have kind of been left by the wayside. Ratchet & Clank is different because, like, they managed to have that really successful reboot and they're carrying that momentum going forward and it still sells and it's still enjoyable. But uh, look, Xbox, bring us Blinks 3. That's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my last little thing on that. Anyway, so we're, we're going to wrap up the shoe report and we're going to get stuck into our main thing, which we're probably going to keep it nice and short-ish. And this is our predictions for what Nintendo is going to do at E3 this year, 2021. So... The idea is we've got three predictions each. Now, we have a convoluted scoring system, which I'll quickly go through. Basically, we have a prediction. If we're right, we get two points. If we're sort of right, we get one point. If we're not right, we get zero points. So that's that's the general gist of it. However, we've got an opportunity where if the other hosts want to jump in, they're able to earn points or even lose points if uh, the prediction is wrong. So it's nice and streamlined, and we'll worry about that with a nice big E3 wrap-up episode after uh, June, what is it, June 11th to June 14th? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, around around that time. Anyway, so we're going to get stuck into our predictions. We're going to go one at a time, uh, so Mm -hmm. one person at a time. Uh, Vinny, we're going to start with your three predictions first today. So what's your first prediction for Nintendo at the upcoming E3 2021? Okay, so my first prediction, which I also said at the start of the year, so I'm going to try and stick to my guns. I, and it's something I really want to see, is I want to see a Metroid Prime collection come to the Switch. A nice trilogy wrapped up in a neat little package. Don't mention Other M, don't mention Metroid Pinball, don't mention anything else. Fusion Fighters, whatever that thing was. Yeah, Metroid Prime Hunters? No. Mm. (laughs) Um, Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3 coming to the Switch having to prepare us for the inevitable Metroid Prime 4. That's what I want to say, which won't come out for who knows how long, but I want to see a Metroid Prime collection having one, two, and three on physical, digital, whatever, just come to the Switch. All right. So now, fun fact, all of us have a Metroid theme um, prediction. 
and they're all slightly different. So th this is going to make things a little bit interesting. But anyway, Josh, Vinny said, a Metroid Prime collection, one, two, and three, coming together in a nice little package, possibly for a couple of months. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Death Mario thing. Uh, do you agree or do you disagree with Vinny? Uh, I think I agree, but it's a year too early. I think this is a next year thing. Knowing how far Prime 4 is, they'll probably want the collection to come out a year before that to space it out. Again, we've all got similar predictions on Metroid, so me saying no will make sense when you hear Sean's and mine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just think the, the collection will happen. It has to happen. It'll be stupid not to do it, but I just don't think it'll be announced this year. I think it's a next year, next E3 announcement. All right, no worries. Uh, now, Vinny, I'm also going to disagree. Okay. The reason being is that as much as I love the idea of a Metroid Prime collection coming this year, they've got a new Switch coming possibly this year, possibly early next year. Now's not the time to announce it. Let's not build the hype just yet. Let's hold off a bit. Let's let's bring out the, here's a new Switch. By the way, day one launch, we're also going to be launching Metroid Prime Trilogy. <laughs> Your day one launch? Yeah, is a I game from like two, three generations ago. Yeah, oh. like that. but look, I, I, I think it's Switch with the Wii U game, so yeah, I'll make a big deal about it. It'll probably be like an, uh, I, I think a next year thing. I think E three will probably be a little bit too early to mention it because Nintendo don't like talking about projects that are more than six months late. Yeah, uh, like afterwards, uh, look at what happened to Bayonetta three. Look at what happened to Splatoon three. So, I think no for this one. Okay, but that's all right. Well, as Josh said. Uh, him and I both have uh, differing ones, and you'll probably see why we disagree. What's your second one, Vinny? And I, I actually really like this one. My second one's a bit of an interesting one. Paying, uh, you know, we all know Nintendo as the Nostalgia Kings. They've been releasing their little mini Super Nintendo, mini NES, the Game & Watch, everything retro. They're bringing back retro. Yeah. And my prediction is very similar similar to that. I think it's time that they release a mini N64 console. So having a library of, you know, X amount of games, I would say like at least 10, 10 to 15 of their iconic N64 games. Nice little package in a nice little thing that's about this big. And then right. plugs HDMI, everything's upscaled, looking nice and schmick. And that's a good way to resell your product that's one thing nintendo loves and knows how to do because they won't have a virtual console for the switch for 64 <laughs> but they will sell you this thing for 100 bucks that has everything josh they could do it it makes sense they've done the nes done the snes but it's not an e3 announcement I think this E3, and Sean alluded to it before, will be here's what's coming to the Switch in the next six months. That's what Nintendo like to do. Pokemon usually stands separate, and they'll do a Pokemon thing before. I don't think they're going to... E3 is not the right place for Nintendo to do any hardware announcements, whether that is a new Switch console or this N64 Mini. I just think like it's too much going on. They'd rather have that as its own thing with some other announcements. So based on that, I... Yeah, I think it's possible, but I don't think we'll see it at E3. I think Nintendo are dumb, and they will not do a Nintendo uh, a mini Nintendo sixty four like for an I think a number of years. 
uh, it's very easy to be able to kind of like bundle together like the NES and, and the SNES and like have those uh, for sale and all that sort of stuff. But like for the Nintendo 64, we already mentioned in this podcast alone, the controller. Yeah. I don't like, I think it's for a new generation, it's very hard to be able to get them to kind of like convert to a new controller. I think you'd almost have like a better option, like a, like a better chance of getting like a mini GameCube or something like that. Like I can see something like that happening, but I, I just can't see a mini Nintendo 64 purely because of just like customer use and it's going to be, it's purely for nostalgia. How are we going to get the 64 controllers again? Are they going to do the USB ones? Like the Super Nintendo ones and the NES ones have been very easy to find and all that. They've been all third party. There's a limited amount of 64 ones. I don't think the, the demand is there for that controller. I think people will be plugging in GameCube controllers if they could. So I'm going to say no as well, but on different reasons. Yeah, that's fair enough. I do, like, I do like. I really want them to do it, but Nintendo's dumb, and I think we all we're all pretty much on par with that. Um, what's your next one? My third one's the the spicy hot take that mm. even I'm a little bit uh, skeptical on, but it was something that proved to be at least successful for them. Uh, so it'd be a, another Mario Rabbids collaboration game. So the first one being the Mushroom Kingdom one that also was so successful that they had DLC for it. I mean, it took Super Mario Party, one of their amazing, well-known games, like three years to get an update. And they did that for Mario Rabbits in, I think it was like first year. Don't, don't forget Bowser's Fury. Don't, yeah. And don't forget Bowser's Fury for, uh, uh, for Super Mario 3D World, which was a Wii U game, then had to be re-released on the Switch with extra DLC. Yeah. So Mario Rabbids, for everyone who doesn't know, it's a it's a uh, real time strategy game. Oh no, yeah, but like, uh, what's it called? Kind of like Fire Emblem. Yeah, it's grid based D and D style. It's Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Mm. That one, and it's essentially Fire Emblem, but with Mario characters and Rabbids characters. And it was a game I did not think I was gonna enjoy at all. I picked it up at random, and I ended up loving it. And so this is kind of my thing being like, please give us another one. Cause I quite enjoyed the first one and it was just, yeah, that was, a, that was a humble good time in itself as well. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up smashing that on a plane ride and it was so fun. I had such enjoyment out of it. And even just like having it as the grid based system in the mushroom kingdom allowed little things like the warp pipes and, you know, seeing like shells and like power ups and grids and having those little things being interactive in the environment made me really, really enjoy the game a whole lot more than something like a Fire Emblem where it's, you have high ground and low ground and flat. Mm, so yeah. it was it was good like that. All right. Well, so a new Mario Rabbids game coming for the Switch. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to agree with this one. Mm. And the reason being, and I, I, I've been reading about this a couple of months ago and I was like, I've heard of this somewhere. So there's a Rabbids Twitter account that earlier this year changed their name, so their at name, to Mario Rabbid, and then everyone jumped on it and they quickly changed it back to, like, Rabbids Official. And this is the same account that still has a Rabbid dressed as Mario from a game that came out... When did it come out? 2017? 2017, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's something happening and so I'm, I'm tend to agree with you that I wouldn't be surprised. 
I'm not sure necessarily if Nintendo will announce this one. I think if that's the case, I think Ubisoft might be better placed just to, to kind of like get that uh, uh, get that camaraderie going and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think a, a, a new Mario Rabbids game is uh, a nice little cheeky one. I like that one. So I'm actually going to agree with it. Josh? Uh, I think I think so too. I think the timing's right. And, um, you know, Ubisoft are going to want to be seen to be supporting the Switch. I, I think so. I could see a sequel uh, definitely definitely work in the works. So, yeah, the only, the only thing that's making me think maybe not is the style of game it is. I don't know if it's, like, the most easy-selling type thing, but if they can sell a game where you're on a roller coaster taking photos of Pokemon, you can sell this too. So um, I, I'm going to say... I'm going to agree um, on the basis that I think the timing makes sense. And to Sean's point with the Twitter account, like it's all pushing towards that. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree on that one. Alrighty, Vinny. So we agree with that one. That That's your predictions. Uh, Josh, did you want to go next or do you, do you, do you want to finish it up and I'll go? Uh, you go. All right. I'll go. Okay. So I'll go for my ones. Um, and I feel like these are pretty safe. So I'm, um, I don't know. Maybe you guys will accept all of them. So the first one is, I think, a no-brainer. Nintendo would be stupid not to do this. Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild 2, give us some gameplay. Don't give us any of this other crap. No, no, no. Just give us gameplay. We need to know what we're coming in. We need to know that we're going to love it. I think uh, we're going to see some gameplay. Breath of the Wild 2. Josh, you agree? It makes sense. I think so. The timing makes sense. The only worry that I have is Nintendo's crazy enough to just have a Zelda event later on and then show it there. Sweet. I don't think they're so, they're not that concerned on E3. It's not the you know it's up five ten years ago where that was their only avenue to get news out. But I think they need that heavy hitter at E3 to be seen there. So I'm going to agree. Um, is that a gameplay trailer or just ga- like is in actual gameplay? I think gameplay. I, I, I'm not sure necessarily if it's going to be hands-on. Well, obviously, it's a digital event. Yeah. So we're going to have to see gameplay of some description. So it may not necessarily be like a HUD, like uh, like uh, Lost Souls aside. Mm. But we'll uh, see like Link, you know, paragliding through and maybe doing Yeah, yeah I, I think we'll see Link. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll do gameplay. I'm really thinking they may just do a trailer here. Trailer, yeah, I think the and then do a gameplay later on. Tra- gameplay would have like oh, the trailer would have gameplay stuff. Like I, I want, I can say trailer, but I feel like that's almost a given, and I yeah. don't want to go a very easy route. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to agree. I think um, they have to, right? They have to. New console. New get new Breath of the Wild too, which we know about. Oh, all right. I need one clarification point. <sighs> yep. You know, so you're saying it's more than a trailer, like it's not just a flashy gameplay trailer, and then they move on. Like it's actually going to be like minutes of gameplay, like <sighs> uninterrupted gameplay. Like, is that what you mean by gameplay? Because I know gameplay trailer means something different. I I think there's going to be gameplay. I, I, I I would probably I, I'd like to lean onto gameplay trailer because I think that's a safe option. But the thing is, they have the treehouse, and their treehouse is going to be in motion. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something happening there. But I feel like it's going to be part of their main presentation. Okay. All right. Well, on that basis, 
let's just put gameplay slash trailer on there. So then yeah. I'm happy for you to do that, and then I'll I'll, I'll agree. Okay. Um, yeah, it can get a bit tricky. Vinny, have we we we've worked through all the uh, all the the sticky points of it. Do you agree or disagree? So we expect there's gonna be gameplay and then game gameplay in the trailer. Because I was I was actually gonna disagree and thinking that there's only gonna be a cinematic. Because my theory is they've we had they showed us absolutely nothing. They gave us Skyward Sword instead. Like they clearly I don't even think the engine like how far along is this game? Are they ready to actually showcase any gameplay, or can they just show us cinematics at this point? They That's what my theory is. They apologized, and I think they have to get on the front foot and do something here. Yeah, but it's Nintendo, that, so they won't. And the first reveal trailer for this game was in-engine, so wouldn't they don't go backwards? They're not going to show an in-engine trailer and then the second trailer be CG. Like it has to be yeah. in in-engine. Yeah, but in-engine isn't gameplay. I, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be just cinematics. I think like we're going to see we're going to see like a story trailer, like you know, like yeah, yeah. If it's a gameplay of like a, a quick cut of him picking up a pot and throwing it, like that is gameplay, that, and then that, that is, is. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll see something like mm-hmm. that. I don't think it's going to be just cinematics. Okay, big agree, big agree. Right. Then that's a tricky one because they could just easily. Just do a teaser trailer. If they yeah. throw a cinematic and that's it, I swear to God, Nintendo, like mm. you obviously don't want to sell this game. They're the worst to predict because <laughs> you just they could come out and be like, you know what, we're not even making the game. We're just we're joking. <laughs> Wii Music Two on the Switch coming yeah, to you. Only coming to the Wii. You have to buy it on the Wii. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, uh, there's going to be uh, no footage about Breath of the Wild Two, but uh, here's a new Legend of Zelda animated series coming to Netflix. <laughs> you know they should start it with like. You're probably watching this thinking you're about to see an E3 press conference. We apologize. We have nothing to show. It's a fade to black. Yeah. That's it. They're just a countdown to the next time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the second one. I'll, I'll try and get through these nice and quick. The second one, I think there's going to be a teaser in the form of anything for Metro Prime 4. The, the Metro Prime 4 is going to be mentioned at some stage by Nintendo this E3. So you're saying they just need to mention the word Metroid Prime 4? Is that your prediction? (laughs) If I hear hear the words Metroid Prime 4, I'm sold. Ah, We've heard nothing for how many years now? Yeah, but it got uh, reboot. Like, I'll go first. I'm going to say no, because even you said it earlier, right? Like, Nintendo's going to focus on the next six months. And if we're going to say they're not going to do the Prime collection, why would they jump the gun and then show four? I feel like it's just... That game got rebooted in 2018. So it's like theoretically started from scratch. And I don't think they want a Bayonetta again. They don't want like, let's show it. And then everyone's asking for the next two, three years. And that's why I said no to Vinny's one, because I think that's next year. So my timeline, I think Prime 4 will be shown maybe not even next year, right? Maybe the year after. I actually flipped a coin on this one between Metro Prime 4 and Bayonetta 3. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a better chance at Metro Prime Four, but I still don't think so. No, all right, no worries. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, so, my last prediction, and I feel like this is safe as houses, guys. Like, there, there's no way that this is not happening. There's going to be a new sword wielding character from a Japanese game series as a, a new character in Super Smash Brothers. I'm going to say it's no. Gonna, I'm gonna it's going to no. gonna come from like Fire Fire Emblem or something or dragon quest it's going to be there's going to be another sword wielder i don't think so no 
You reckon? Mm-hmm. You reckon Smash Brothers? They still got some slots left in their uh, their latest character pack. Yeah, I, I definitely think we'll get it's a Goku. Smash reveal. But that no, he I, he was my pick for the year, but I think this is a safe pick. So you guys are going no? I don't think so. Three points to me. That's fine. All right, uh, Josh, we're going to go through your predictions now. So what's your first one? Yeah, I'll keep mine super quick. I think there'll be no hardware reveals, so no Switch Pro, no Switch New, no New Switch, no Switch super Pro Nintendo. U, so Super Nintendo U Wii Edition. I think there'll be no hardware reveals reveals at this, or no new hardware reveals at the showcase. I, so no Switch Pro. Yeah, yeah. No, we won't say anything about the new console. I yeah. I think Nintendo will be, and as uh, Josh was saying earlier, Nintendo can't put the Switch up against Xbox and PlayStation. Like that, that they're not going to win. If they do it in their own time, in their own event, like even if it's like a month or two later, even if it's August, like I think that is more of a chance than doing it at E3. So I agree. Vinny, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's too early to for them to right now. I mean, we're, we've had theories about the pattern, and yeah. then yeah, we say it's too early, but it's it's really. Yeah, we, we know about it. We know it's a thing. We know the OLED screen's coming. We know the new Tegra X1 chip is being made. We know the new pattern for the new dock. They're not going to show it, though. No. Nah. New Joy-Cons, it doesn't matter. They're not going to show it. In the entire industry. I even think, and this is obviously not part of the prediction, I don't even think we'll see it. I think it was planned for this year, but if if this chip shortage is affecting PS5 and, PS, uh, and Xbox Series... And Nintendo is now what eighty four million switches sold, and they can make those easier. I'll just ride the wave, and yeah. then once chips chips start being available, and they can get their share, then do it. All right. What's mm. your second prediction? All right. So um, obviously, this year is the thirty fifth anniversary of uh, Legend of Zelda. We've obviously got uh, Skyward Sword coming to to Nintendo Switch. And I think in conjunction with that, kind of like what they did with Mario, where they're just like, here's Mario everything. I think we will get a Wind Waker and Twilight Princess announcement coming to Switch. Okay. When was the original Legend of Zelda game released? What month? What month? Oh, I can Google it. I know it was yeah. 35 years ago, but... Yeah, no, 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 trust me. Nintendo loved this stuff. I have a feeling it is not June. Uh, Feb- it was, uh, came out February 21st, so... Yeah, yeah so... We're way past it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we've got Skyward Sword, and that's going to be our 35th anniversary big deal for the moment. We might get something later on down the year, and as we've said before, there might be like a Legend of Zelda. They might make a big deal about it and have its own direct and all that sort of stuff. I don't think it's going to be E3. I think if they, if they are going to push a, any Zelda anything, it has to be Breath of the Wild 2. I don't think they're going to... They've given us Skyward Sword a couple of months ago, they're not going to say, oh, and here's another two couple of retro games all bundled together. Like, I, Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I could see it being something more like like Link's Awakening game, like Legend of Zelda 2 come in, or... Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons double. Yeah, that, I mean. that's, that's one that's been generating at least a lot of buzz around the internet, but once again, I don't think it will happen. They're very... No. That's a very niche one as well, but... I would yeah. love to see them do another uh, Link's Awakening style game, having it in that, especially that artwork. That artwork was so pretty. Like, 
it just looks looked like such a good game. Like just yeah. looked good. Played played all right for me, but looked good. And potentially what may happen, like 35th anniversary of Zelda, maybe they wanted to get Breath of the Wild 2 out this year and it's not going to happen and that's getting delayed because they want to launch it with the new new Switch Pro. So maybe this is their kind of way of doing it where it's like, okay, well, Wind Waker we got on Wii U, so it's already half ported. Um, and they did do something like they did that with Mario, right? We got more than just one Mario anniversary celebration. We got multiple things. So I just think it's an easy sell. They can sell it in like a Bayonetta 1, 2 type you know, cross cross thing, buy one, get both. So Vinny, you are a no as well, yeah, Vinny? Yeah, no for this one. Mm. All right. Uh, mm. And also, actually, you bring a good point about Breath of the Wild 2 because Breath of the Wild 1 was a launch title for the Switch. It would make sense if they do a new Switch, Breath of the Wild 2 would be the launch title for that new Switch. That's what I'm thinking. Um, and my final prediction, and this is the Metroid 1 because we've spoken about us all three having a Metroid 1, and the reason why I've said no to Prime Collection um, and then Prime 4 is because what I think is going to happen is Prime 4 is far away, right? So in saying that, they're going to do this collection that Vinny spoke about, which I said would be next year. What I think they'll do to pad out time again, because there has been rumors that Nintendo has been holding games, like waiting for the new console. They can kind of come out swinging. And I think an easy port or an easy re-release would be to announce a new 2D Metroid game. I'm leaving it at that. So it could be a brand new one or it could be the uh, Mercury Steam 3DS game that came out, Samus Returns, which was a remake of the second game from Game Boy. So I just think that it just makes too much sense. That game um, won multiple awards, was critically acclaimed. I just don't think it maybe got the the love it may have deserved because it was on 3DS at the time where the Switch was just coming out. Um, so I think they'll, they'll port it. September 5th, uh, September 15, 2017. So it came out after the Switch. So I feel like it just got ignored. Um, so I feel like, yeah, this is a good chance to, all right, we know we were waiting for Metroid Prime 4, but hey, here's the 3DS game coming to Switch. And then next year we get the collection. And then hopefully the year after that, we get Metroid Prime 4. I like the idea of the port, but they're still struggling to, well, not struggling, but they're they're still finishing up their Wii U catalog of games and porting them over to Switch. How many 3DS games have we had ported? Not too many. Um, the only thing I could say to that is they don't need to do it. Like Mercury Steam and the developer, that's not they, they partnered with them. They're not owned by Nintendo or yeah, anything. It's even, like, it's even on a release schedule. Like they they they've had like I think the um, the Sushi Strikers that was that was released on both Switch and 3DS same day. But otherwise, there's not a lot of games that have been able to bridge across. And yeah. so I'm like, I, I understand like a new 2D Metroid possibly. Like I get that, but I just don't, I don't feel like they're going to hit us with a new one when they have a Metroid Prime trilogy. They have Metroid Prime 4. Like this is their big hitter that they're waiting for. Um, yeah, it just doesn't quite click for me. Yeah, mm. I'm trying to think like... Was... The last time we got that, we got Other M and everyone was disappointed. Mm. Try to think like the last DS game. It's on Switch. Keep in mind while Vinny's thinking about that. So yeah, I guess my thinking was I feel like the game was stranded, right? Like it was just it came out after the Switch. It you know got a lot of praise at the time. It wasn't a 3DS intensive game. Like it's not like a you know touchscreen game. It was a it played like a console game. It did have some touch functionality, but 
I just, it, it's an easy, easy sell and it will sell. Let's just get it on there and we'll buy time while we continue work on, on the others. Yeah, I, like, I, I, like I see the logic behind it and like, and I agree with the logic. I, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't think Nintendo's that smart. <laughs> like, I think, I think I've said a couple of times now, like Nintendo's pretty dumb. Nintendo's like, backwards. Yeah, they still need to figure out the internet and, and chat and that sort of stuff. I think that's more of a focus than like a 2D Metroid game to pass time until the next Metroid game. <laughs> like they've got they've got plenty of big hitters coming over the next six to eight months. Like they've got Pokemon coming. They they've got another Pokemon coming. Like <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel like they're they would they're it, they would be better served looking at other priorities and getting bigger games out now. Uh, with the new console on the horizon before re-releasing mistakes. Oh, that could completely, this is one that could happen and just in the same breath could absolutely never happen. Like it's just one where it's probably, this is my heart going, no one played that game and it's really, really good. And I think just Metroid deserves something this year. (laughs) Yeah. This is your pitch from third base. Yeah. Mm. All right. Vinny, do you agree or disagree with Josh? I disagree. I don't think there's going to be a 2D Metroid coming out or being revealed on the Switch as of E3. I, I, you, you make it a pretty good argument for it. And then, like, you know, it's funny because a lot of our predictions has been Nintendo re-releasing stuff instead of Nintendo having anything new. Like, I think really yeah. all three of my predictions. Well, it was is insane. Mm. Nintendo's well, that's, that's nostalgia pretty- kings. Sorry. Nintendo's and Nostalgia Kings. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. It's their selling point. It's how they're getting uh, the, the console sales. They're, you know, the new Pokemon Snap. Nobody asked for a, a second one, really. Like, it would have been nice, but oh, they, they did it. That's cool. But anyway, we've done our predictions. We've all agreed with one of each, and it's the same one for each of us. So only three predictions were agreed upon out of the total of nine. It's going to be very interesting if, like, you know, a majority of these are correct. Or, yeah. Or, you can't I'm, call I'm very interested. I'm very interested to see this one. I think hey, this, this one's going to be, yeah. If the if we got, like, the three of them we got cor- incorrect were correct, and then, like, the one three we all agree with were wrong, this is going to be a very interesting E3. Like... Well, the, the ones that we've agreed on is that we agree that the Switch Pro will not be showcased. Yeah. That it's going to be a new Mario Rabbids game. And we'll see some sort of gameplay trailer for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. And that means that nothing from Metroid Prime or yeah. Metroid at all. No Super Smash Brothers, no mini Nintendo 64 console, uh, and no other uh, Legend of Zelda stuff besides like, Breath of the Wild 2. If we were completely wrong and they showed they had a mini 64, they had Switch Pro, they had Metroid Teaser and, and Metroid Trilogy. They, they, like, they'd have the greatest E3 they've had oh, since... Yeah. Reggie jumped on a Wii Fit board and said, my body is ready. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, we have one We have one comment in the chat uh, as, as a prediction, which is PS Portal 3. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure for Nintendo, but yeah, it would be nice, no, I guess. I think Valve is at... Uh... They're a bit busy with the store, yeah. I think. Well, there's actually... There's, there's an indie game that just released recently, or, or I think it's still in game preview, where it's basically Portal, where it's got the two portals, but there's a third portal, which is a green, like, uh, rectangle, and that takes you backwards or forwards in time. Okay. And it puts you at the same place that you walk into. Oh, that is cool. 
yeah so that's the cool little mechanic i, I saw i saw that game uh, over the last couple of days and i was like well oh, that's nice but anyway that's all our predictions for nintendo for e3 for 2021 so we'll put them in all together with our xbox ones from last week tune in next week where we'll be we bleh, we will be doing our PlayStation predictions, which I'm sure Josh has already got five or six of them written up. I know I have about three or four already written up. I'm raring to go for this one. Well, that's uh, an interesting thing. They haven't technically announced anything yet. As in, we don't even know if they're doing a showcase. I don't even know if it's worth doing anything uh, yet. Look, we'll, we'll have something. Well, it's the E3 period. I'm, They'll I'm do sure something. They're, sure. they're going to do something, or at least they're going to do a show around that time, and we'll, we'll probably sit our predictions off that. But anyway, I feel like we've had a great show today, and I'd like to thank everybody watching as well. Uh, we really appreciate support. So if you are uh, watching and you do want to have a look and see what other stuff we do, well, not only check out uh, any of the previous episodes of the podcast, but you can always check out Vinny who's streaming on either his channel or Vinny Chen's. Uh, sometimes you're doing it here on the Busy Playing Something channel. And that's right. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you doing like next week in the next seven days or so? I mean, I've got another box of uh, digital cards that I might open. And I'm also just thinking about setting up my PS5 with streaming and I'll just do a playthrough of Ratchet and Clank just leading up to the next one. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Just having a nice, humble, good time playing Ratchet and Clank and just trying to complete that. But yeah, who knows? You know, I'm pretty sporadic with it. I don't have a strict schedule or like I'm not super committed, but I, I enjoy streaming and I enjoy interacting with the chat. So yeah, if I'm on, come say hi. Yeah, sick. Myself, uh, I'll be on my channel, so Holy De Prawn, uh, Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 o'clock or 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, next week, I'll be doing Pokemon. So I've got a whole bunch of Pokemon cards that I'm going to open up, and it's like two Elite Trainer boxes. There's some pin boxes. It's like There's just so much Pokemon cards. So I can't wait to do that. And I'll also be playing uh, new Pokemon Snap for those of you who haven't seen it. So that's an opportunity to be able to have a look at some live gameplay of that, and you'll be able to ask questions as well otherwise you'll be able to find josh he's doing a lot of the stuff over on our youtube channel so if you haven't checked that out we've spoken on it before uh but it's youtube.com forward slash busy playing something i'm pretty sure it is otherwise you can search for it josh anything to add to that no you see me here once a week that's all you get so (laughs) (laughs) otherwise you can catch him on youtube as before but otherwise this has been busy playing something episode 51 thank you very much for joining us and hopefully we'll be able to see you next time Vinny. Get you to sign us out. May the power protect you. Long live the Vita. Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? Behold my greatest creation, Mac.